0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, and we're broadcasting from the beautiful Meditation Museum. Om. <laughs> I always like when you can join us on the air because we always have important conversations. Conversations that help us to climb in consciousness or maybe overcome Something within our consciousness, and today we have two guests, Dr. Lewis Mel Matrona and Barbara Mainguy, who'll be joining us about remapping our minds as i 've been telling everyone we 're coming up to our twenty year anniversary celebration, twenty years in washington d c bringing light into this region it has been quite an experience. And we're going to be at the MGM Grand Ballroom on Sunday, July 2nd, 3.30 to 6 p.m. If you happen to be in Washington or are thinking about being somewhere for the 4th of July weekend, why don't you come and see us? We would love to have you and host you. We're going to have award-winning journalist Roberta Baskin from 48 Hours. And we'll also have clean Comedy by Dan Nainan. And we're going to have ballet performance by the Abigail Francisco School of Classical Ballet. Myself, Sister Gita, and the beautiful Sister Shivani from India. Will also be joining us. We'll be taking a walk down memory lane, and we want you to be here there with us to join us. So please put that on your calendar if you happen to be coming close. Why don't we go to a nice little meditation? Here is Letting Go from Off the Grid into the Heart Meditation CD. Om Shanti. this time. Welcome back. That was Letting Go from Off the Grid into the Heart. And now without any further ado, is Sister Gita in the studios? We want to hear a wonderful reading from you. Sister Gita? Good
1: morning, beautiful ones, on this beautiful day. And I am taking this from this book that was written by an acquaintance of mine, It's entitled, An Angel Whispered. Why do we not feel whole? If we are goodness, then why don't we feel whole? Everything is explained by the story of the soul. There once was a time when all souls were completely beautiful. They were in a perfect, complete stage. Virtue was their nature, so they did not compete. But after many births, the soul becomes somewhat weak. And then the experience starts to become bleak. When you were full, you could sustain the self. You enjoyed prosperity and were always in good health. Your happiness didn't depend on someone else's actions. You were peaceful and loving without any reactions. The soul was so clean, during this beautiful time. But now souls have become a little bit soiled or dirty, so burdened with grime. Because the soul becomes weaker like a battery run down, you forget you're a soul and identify with nouns. Your sense of self comes from your religion and race. Your happiness is tied to work and so to seeing another's face. Your belief of who you are comes from the body you have. This makes you feel better, but it's so temporary. When these or those with whom you identify do well or as you wish, you feel so good and think you are in bliss. When you are in good health and people recognize your name, you feel such a boost You don't register any pain. But then surely it happens. Things don't go your way. Then your happiness falls and it becomes a very sad day. It's easy to see what makes this occur. When you look outside to try to feel secure, I hesitate to say this. Do forgive me. It may sound impertinent, but it isn't. But you foolishly tie your happiness to what is impermanent. Knowing a loss must occur, the mind creates fear. So you think in a way that guarantees many tears. You divide the world into two separate lots, those who are like you and those who are not. For some, you have love and a lot of compassion. Others you dislike or even hate with a passion You're running on empty. Your virtues have gone. The vices have taken over. Now everything goes wrong. Now turn it around. As Byron Katie says, turn it around. Is it true? No. You are indeed a virtuous soul, full of virtues and powers. And you belong to the highest of all souls. This soul's qualities are also yours. Beautiful ocean of happiness. Peace, love, purity, and security. So this is who we really, really are. So put a full stop to the past and fly. Om Shanti. Have a beautiful day with beautiful thoughts. You are guaranteed a beautiful day.
0: Well, you sure put some light into my life this morning, Sister Gita. Thank you so much. That was incredible. Our two guests today, Dr. Louis Mel Madrona and Barbara Mangei, say that we are born into a world of stories that quickly shape our behavior and development without conscious awareness. By retelling our personal, family, and cultural narratives, we can transform the patterns of our own lives as well as the patterns that shape our communities and the larger social worlds in which we interact. Now, Dr. Lewis is a physician and executive director of the Coyote Institute for Studies of Change and Transformation. He's also the author of several books, including Narrative Medicine and Coyote Medicine, and his newest book, co-authored with Barbara Main Remapping Your Mind, The Neuroscience of Self-Transformation Through Story. Barbara Mainguy is a psychotherapist and education director for the Coyote Institute for Studies of Change and Transformation. So, we are proud to welcome our two guests today, and right now we have Dr. Louis Mel Madrona, and you guys have been up to some good, and I know that stories are a big thing nowadays, and we're either so attached to our stories that we can't find clarity, or we're so detached from our story that we're not able to live it. <laughs> Do you agree? Right. Mm-hmm. So it, we tell our listeners, what is a story? You know, How do we know that all memory is stored as a story? It
2: comes from neuroscience research. And so people look at how we produce a statement of memory, and it, it invariably emerges in a narrative structure that has uh, a beginning, a middle, and an end, and characters and things happen to those characters, and we activate the part of the brain that makes up stories and comprehends stories so that it's it's sort of triangulated in multiple different ways to say that that um, memory is is storied. And mm. the, the best example I have an example of that I think that people can relate to. Which is there's a there is a neuropsychological test in which we show the person twenty photographs or twenty drawings, and mm-hmm. they get to look at them for a minute and then they're covered up, and the person is supposed to say what they remember, so most people remember six that's the average, but one of my um, students was a country music writer and he made up a country music song in the form of a story about all the pictures and he remembered 19 of them because he he found a way to put them into a story.
0: You know, I had an interview with Stefan Schwartz the other day, and Stefan was talking to me about something called the remote method, sort of remote viewing, where individuals will actually sit and sort of project what the future would be. They went as far ahead as 2015. You know, let's just say that as we sit, or you could say you're meditating or you're taking a moment of silence or you're just detaching from the norm of your current environment or current story, would you say that you're able to actually see the story of your tomorrow actually waiting for you to come, or would you say that's not even possible?
2: Well, it it depends on the level of answer. I think from a strictly neuroscience point of view, all we can really say is that people can imagine all sorts of different possibilities. Mm -hmm. From a metaphysical point of view, is, is one of those possibilities the future? Mm-hmm. I suppose we have to wait to find out. And, right. and from another point of view, you know, from the parallel universe, multiverse point of view, all of the possible imaginations are happening somewhere. So whatever you do, you're successfully envisioning some future. We're just not sure whether this version of you will map into that version of the story or not. So I think right. there's multiple levels for that question.
0: Right, right. Well, how can we help people to change stories that maybe it's just not helpful, it's not beneficial, it's not serving them anymore? And when I use the word serving, there is no more joy. There is just no bliss. Any recommendations as to how we can help folks to change their stories? Well, that's a really
2: good question because, you know, it's it's coming up now because some people have the story that immigrants are bad.
3: Mm-hmm. And we hear
2: that, you know, we hear this discussion in the news continually and it doesn't seem to change those people to bring up the facts of what, of all the, the money that immigrants spend at restaurants and shops and on televisions and computers. And it, it doesn't seem to help to bring up the facts about you know, the contribution that immigrants make to the gross national product. So facts don't apparently change people's stories. I think what we found is that what changes people's stories are better stories. And so Mm. rather than than produce facts, I think we have Mm. to produce narratives, stories, movies, plays, sitcoms about immigrants that are positive, that that Mm. counteract the negative stories and, and that's really how we work with people because people grow up in stories that they believe to be absolute fact. And I love that. Yeah. And and so part of mm-hmm. becoming more aware, part of becoming more conscious, is to become aware that there are other possibilities.
0: Right. Other ways to right. see the
2: world. You know I love and, that. And I it think,
0: reminds me Now, I love what you said because it reminds me when I was at the UN with Oprah for her Believe series and a UN delegate asked her, what can we do? We're doing so much work at the UN and we're still feeling that it's not making as much of an impact. And Oprah said it so simply. She just said, stop keep showing stories of doom and gloom you know okay we get that i might be able to give you ten dollars you know to donate but then after that i don't want to be bothered because i don't know what to do it's beyond my help but show stories that can inspire of hope of how it worked of how wonderful it is and so i believe in that has barbara gotten on the line by chance with you barbara is calling in even as we speak Oh, good. I'd love to have her um, also yes. speak to this as well, because I know that one of the work that you're doing is also mind mapping, right. right? You're kind of remapping the consciousness of the mind, correct?
2: Correct. And you know what? What we're suggesting is that most people don't know what their map is. I mean, I think, I think it's probably a luxury that we have, you know, in the United States, because we're, we have enough to eat for the most part sometimes too yeah. much, and yeah. we have yeah. housing, you know, we're not freezing, and so we have the luxury of reflection, we have the luxury of of self-reflection, of, of contemplating our lives and our reality, right. and, and so what we're proposing to people is, well, let's contemplate what are the stories that live through you, what are the stories that you're enacting, what are the right. stories that that you think are fact, that, that might be optional. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, every prejudice is a story that someone taught you, you know, every hate is a story that, that you learned in some way. It's not natural. It's not natural. And, and so we want to tell, and I think Oprah is absolutely Mm -hmm. right. We want to tell stories of hope. We want to tell stories of tolerance Mm -hmm. and, In doing that, we want to teach people how to be hopeful and how to be more tolerant. And, you know, with many of our clients, we're trying to teach them how to believe that they can have an impact for the good in their life. Mm, Lovely. Yeah. So many of them just feel that it's hopeless, that nothing they do matters, and so why bother doing
0: anything? Right. Well, let's turn the line to Barbara and uh, get some thoughts about what, you know, her rendition of all of this is. And we're so glad that you could finally get on the air. So welcome, Barbara. How do you change the characters or avatars in your mind in sort of a mental simulation?
4: Well, the uh, thank you so much for having me, by the way. I'm sorry that uh, something came up. But um, uh, what I would say is that it starts with, with what Lewis was saying We want to get to know the characters and we want to get to know their stories. And then we want to work to see what it feels like to perform a different story. So often, you know, what we do um, when we're working with people is have them pretend, you know, there's a Mm -hmm. tremendous power that's been offered to us. It, which is our imaginations, and, and we, I think we sometimes make a mistake in thinking that imagination is something to entertain us or to use, you know, for for cheerful colouring or for, for art, of course, and for important things, but the truth is that all of us use our imaginations all the time every day, and we're often not conscious of it, but it's a tremendously powerful force that allows us to experiment with behavior and experiment with the world and see how we want to be in it. But we often, as Lewis was saying, have this feeling that there's some sort of a fact or a fixed idea that we need to be. And until we start really experimenting with that and looking at that and understanding it and going, well, maybe there isn't. And then we we, we try out different things. We, We literally play pretend for a while and see what it feels like to make different choices, to walk in a different way, to you know, and, and there's a famous, you know, introduction to change that that a lot of people do, which is to to toss you a ball and invite you to catch it with your non dominant hand and it mm-hmm. feels slightly uncomfortable. And then you say to people, Well that's that's what change feels like. Change feels uncomfortable because we often walk in well-worn grooves that feel tremendously safe to us. And when we're right. changing, we we literally have to, yeah, you know, we have to, to walk a new pathway. We have to begin to create a new, a new path. And so the road can feel rough and uncomfortable.
0: Um, but Barbara, really I want to talk it. more about this. I want to talk more about this because I just got back from India. Well, not just. In March, I did. And I'm even observing certain patterns, I don't know if I'm consciously doing it or if there's something recorded in my deeper story that is emerging in my present and it's also shifting something in me. Personally, on uh, on a personal note for you, when you practiced changing something that you felt you really needed to change or shift something in your life that you felt was no longer important, what were some of the processes that you went through?
4: Yeah, I have made some big changes in my life. And a part of it, I think it started with really imagining that I could do something. And I remember once, I love writing, and I'd always wanted to write. And, and I, I pretended to be a writer, and I wrote a short story. And uh, it ended up getting published i not I don't have a huge career as a writer, but i but this was when i was I was quite young and I learned from that this the potency of actually um, working with this idea of pretending and there are ways to pretend that include writing that include um, you know carrying a token that reminds you every day that you want to think about something I, I love the The idea, you know, celestial navigation, that that if we're headed towards a certain spot on shore in a boat and we change one degree the trajectory that we're on, we can, we can end up in a completely different country. And I think it's mm. the same in life. I think sometimes we feel like we have to make major drastic changes and throw out all of our XYZs and take in all of our ABCs and never do something again. And I think in actual fact, very small things can create very big change. And that's why I think meditation is so valuable. If you wake up in the morning and you, and you agree to, to breathe and agree to imagine you know, a different future. I think um, small ceremonies to let go of things that we want to let go of, to respect the, the stories that have, have come with us this far. And, and I think that's one of, one, of, one of the things that I believe in very strongly is that the, the, the stories that su- support our lives are very carefully put in place. We don't do Mm -hmm. this idly, you know, and and so people really hold on to stories. And often if they've been through trauma or or just life being difficult, we hold dear to those stories because they've helped us. And even if they're not working or need changing, they have definitely been there to help us. And so when we're leaving the story, I often... Recommend you know doing things. I don't know what you do, but I like to I like to burn things up. I like to make packets that I would put in the sacred fire and and burn things up that I don't want to carry with me anymore, or ceremonially bury things, or or you know I I, I try to do that kind of thing. But even in little ways, we can do that, and it's got a kind of snowball effect. So I think we worry a lot about changing because we have this feeling it's going to be, you know, like cutting all our ties from one thing and moving on to a completely different um, place and having to leave things behind. And, and, and of course there's, there's loss and change and, and difference, but there are ways that we can walk gently. I, I was just reading a book about calling your name and uh, or, or I was hmm. reading something where they mentioned calling your name. And, and there's a tradition in, in the Lakota world where when you're leaving a place, you call your name in each of the four directions to call your spirit to come with you. And I think in some ways, you know, we, 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 we need to call our spirits to come with us and join us on the new journey. And, uh, and that writing can help and walking can help and meditation can help and intending can help. You know, really putting right. this, you know, imagining what we want to be doing and where we want to be doing it. And, for example, being, feeling more at peace with the world, not responding mm. so quickly, not reacting, not, not getting angry before I know the whole story, that kind of change.
0: You know, we, right. we can
4: commit come that.
0: Right. So now here's my ultimate question for both of you. What is ultimately our aim the breath that we take, however we unfold our stories, whether it's mind mapping, meditating, changing habits and behaviors, or allowing life to just do what it does best to us. Do you have an idea for yourself in terms of at the end of the journey, what do you think it was all about? <laughs> you know, I I could start
2: with that because I think, um, I think probably John Lennon said it all. All there is is love because that's what people say when they're dying. The patients that I've had who are dying matters the most to them is who love them and who they love. And um, it seems to be really important. And uh, I acknowledge that that's a story, you know, that we all have to create a story about what matters at the end of life. And uh, for some people, you know, it's having the necessary points to get into heaven. But I suspect that we all want love, and I, I remember hearing the Dalai Lama once say. Somebody said, "Well, if we ever get peace, what will what what'll be the what's the good of that?" Said, "Well, if we have peace, we'll have more friends, and we all need more mm. friends. Mm. You know, so maybe mm. maybe that's part of it too."
4: And, and there's a wonderful thought that I carry with me that, that understanding that is you know the, the idea that we're spirit beings walking in earth in a human body and that we, you know, we we walk through the challenges that being embodied and taking up base and being finite, you know, bring to us. And we learn from that what it's like to be in this temporary existence. And I think that, that I endorse, you know, what Lewis says, you know, I, I suppose I think we have an obligation to try to leave the world in peaceful coexistence. And, and, you know, that's a tremendously huge challenge to try to create a world that believes in peaceful coexistence. And that, and that we need to, and that love, you know, who have we loved and offering love to people. And every time we try to create the scenario where we're able to understand someone else and offer compassion, you know, we open up the world a little bit more for possibility. So, you know, I suppose that that love and compassion would be and learning how to practice those in difficult circumstances. You know, when I think Mm. back on the people that that I admire, when I think back on life, and I go, well, who do, whose life would I like to have lived? Whose life do I think Mm -hmm. was a was a grand life, and often it's the peacekeepers. It's the people who who tried to bring understanding and tried to explain to people why we should have understanding. You know, it's it's not all peace and and love and light, but but trying to to walk towards peace and love and light and convince people that it should be about that is uh, is a great task I think to undertake. Mm. Um, beautiful, beautiful. I don't think,
0: well. No, it's beautiful. Um, Folks, we've been listening to Barbara Manguy, a psychotherapist and education director for the Coyote Institute for Studies of Change and Transformation, and Dr. Louis Mel Madrona. And both of them have authored a new book called Remapping Your Mind, The Nearest Science of Self-Transformation Through Story. And we've been having a really nice discussion. I I really love it because I think that every few years we go through something inside of the soul, like a season that needs change. Like there is a season of change that's emoting from the spirit, but we're so accustomed to our patterns, you know, and the structure and feeling safe that we sometimes kill uh, that sound of change and I think go against the grain of the human spirit, which is just to live freely and love a lot. Mm, beautiful. Right? Yeah. yeah. So let's let's keep telling those stories. So maybe the yeah. politics of this country will shift. <laughs> for sure, we're going to need to be telling a lot of those stories. Where can our listeners find more information about remapping your mind and your signs of self-transformation through through story?
2: Well, the book the book is available on Amazon for sure. We hope it's at some bookstores, but they certainly yeah. can order it. And mm-hmm. you have for more information, we have Coyote Institute has a web page. Which is uh, www.coyoteinstitute.us as all one word, and Coyote Institute being all one word. And I have a web page which is um, www.mel-madrona.com, and Coyote Institute has a Facebook page, and I have a Facebook page. So where we can be found, we can be located.
4: Beautiful. And everybody's welcome to come to what we do and, and uh we have a. if we're in charge we have a sliding scale. If we're being sponsored, we might not always have a sliding scale as much as we want, but but if it's us, it's a sliding scale. So feel free to get in touch with us if
0: you want to come and, and hang out and sit in a oh. circle and share communication. Oh, that's helpful, Barbara. Barbara and Lewis, thank you so much for joining us on the air and all the very best. Thank, thank you. you. Mhm. So we can change our patterns and our stories uh, despite whatever we think our physical surroundings might be. Can you imagine just catching a ball with another hand, like the, the hand that you least use can shift something neurologically in your consciousness? And I always say, put your, sometimes get out of the bed on the different side. Sometimes if you have to put on your pants and you're accustomed to starting with your right leg or your left, try the other one. Just try the other one. Just try it. It's life. But one thing I know for sure, I think it's so important for us to maintain our happiness and to maintain our God-given experience of love that we were born with and to do the best that we can to be kind and respectful to one another. You've been listening to America Meditating. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we are here to love each other the same. We're going to end with today's uh, sponsorship and on the writer of the Arco Iris Foundation, as well as play Lucinda Drayton's wonderful hit, Called You. Take care, everyone. The priest of La Paz, Bolivia. Most of these children live on the bridges and cemeteries or wherever they can find shelter. They eat whatever they can find, steal or beg. Father Joseph Maria offer a German priest, has dedicated his entire life in helping these children. For the last 23 years, Foundation Arco Iris, founded and led by Father Neuenhofer, has helped thousands of these children in providing shelter, food, education, and medical care through the Foundation's hospital. For more information and to donate to Foundation Arco Iris, go to www.arcoirisamerica.org.